0: profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.
1: You know, I'll say, you know, the number one workflow mistake I typically see is we build out workflows and we just totally forget the client experience. Like what's, what's the client perspective? How are they feeling about this, right?
0: Welcome to Epic Business Growth for CPAs. My name is Geraldine Carter. Founder of She Thinks Big Coaching. This is the place to be if you're a CPA who wants to grow your accounting practice. Weekly episodes are full of strategies and action steps that create a clear path for growth without working harder. Time to get inspired and grow your business. Hi, everyone. This episode comes to you as we are right in the thick of the unknown with coronavirus. I hope you're staying safe and healthy, and just as importantly, taking care of your mental health, because no doubt these are tricky times. Last week, I put out a question to my audience, without downplaying the seriousness of this crisis, about what are the gifts to you in this time? And without a doubt, the single biggest gift people mentioned was the time they were getting more time with family and kiddos, more time to take a step back and reevaluate priorities, time to take care of projects around the house, and time to tackle the backlog in your business. Because many of you are taking time to tackle the backlog and get organized in your business, I thought now would be a great time to share this episode with David Cristello and talk about how to design better workflows in your business. Designing better workflows can help you save time and reduce redundancy, It can help you create a better quality product. It can help you create a more consistent product, especially when there are multiple people in the office who now start doing things the same way. It can also help you scale more easily and be more profitable. The natural choice to ask about this is someone who designs workflow software. So I'm happy to introduce today's guest. David Cristello is the founder and CEO of Jetpack Workflow which empowers thousands of accounting firm owners to build a better firm through managing all their client work in a single, easy-to-use application. He's also the host of the Growing Your Firm podcast, an interview series that highlights best practices and trends in team management, metrics, M&A, marketing, and more. And I'm a subscriber, and I highly recommend his show. David is also the co-author of the best-selling book, Double Your Accounting Firm, His work has been featured in Forbes, Accounting Today, and Accounting Web. Please welcome David Cristello. David Cristello, welcome to the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Right on. So we're talking today about workflow and the challenge that CPAs face, which is paperwork comes in, (laughs) needs to move through the system and be touched by lots of different people in the process, and then it needs to get back to the client. And there are all kinds of places for inefficiencies in here. And I think a lot of CPAs struggle with workflow and systems in their businesses. So I would love to talk with you today about, since you're an expert in designing workflows, how do people even begin to solve some of their workflow challenges.
1: Yeah, I, I I am so excited to dig in. It's not every day I get to to come onto a show and chat workflow. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, as excited as you are.
0: So before we dive into that, I always love to find out what was the very first thing you did for money?
1: Yeah, and I, I, I kind of mentioned this, you know, pre-interview. I don't think anybody knows this story. And it is this. So in the... Fifth or sixth grade, there is this uh, card game, and it's still around, it's still popular, I think, called Magic: The Gathering. Okay, so Magic: The Gathering is this card game. You buy a starter pack of cards for something like ten or fifteen dollars, and there were kids in my class, and I had a small class, so there's eleven kids in my class. So I knew every kid in my class pretty well. And they really wanted a deck of Magic the Gathering, but their parents weren't taking them to the mall. I was going to the mall. So I bought two extra packs of Magic the Gathering for $10, and I sold it to them for like $12 or $15. (laughs) And they were you know, somewhat annoyed that I gave them an upcharge because they knew the price of a Magic the Gathering starter kit and they still paid for it. And I felt so guilty that they you know, you know, said, Hey, why aren't what well, it's $10? I'm like, yeah, but I had to, you know, I went out and I got it. I had to put up my own money. You know, I, I don't have a lot of money. Like, you don't have a lot of money. And so it's just twelve dollars or something like that. It was literally like a couple of dollars more, and they're like, "What? I can't believe that!" And I just I ended up. I mean, I got the money, but I just felt so bad uh, about it. So maybe that resonates a lot with accounting for and their fear of selling. <laughs> I have overcome that. I love selling. I love marketing now. But that early, that early run in in fifth, sixth, seventh grade, that was uh, that was a tough one. So I made a little bit of money, but I was like, "Oh boy," I just felt so bad. Uh, and then I did a, you know a couple other things when I was 21, 22, you know, I was doing tennis camps and drum lessons and all I knew when I was 18 and trying to figure out the world and who I was, what I wanted to do. I was pretty sure the only thing I knew is I didn't want to go into business because to to me it was either go into a small business, which is not fun at all. Or you go into giant corporation, which seems even less fun. So yeah, when I was 18, I said, well, I know I'm not going to be and business, yuck, I did not want to touch business, so I'm going to be a psychology major. So I was fairly business allergic until I was about 22.
0: Okay, so then you go on to become a psychology major, and at some point, you get to this place where you decide to start a company uh, that is around workflow efficiencies for CPAs. And what I want to talk with you about today is you know this challenge that CPAs face around workflow efficiencies like, how did you get to see this problem to start?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief that really fulfilling businesses are built from solving painful problems and the world is littered with painful problems. And if you become somebody that's passionate about finding one versus dreaming up your own clever solution, you can really build something and it's really fulfilling. That's really a lot of fun to build. So I ended up personally emailing one on one at the time, because there's no tools at the that you know, it's only a couple of years ago. Uh, a couple thousand accounting firm owners. and I talked with about a hundred or two hundred on the phone for about an hour, And I was trying to understand exactly how they run their accounting firm, what the biggest barriers they had to growing their firm, what was keeping them up at night, what was blocking their business? And I started hearing about this problem so many firm owners had with managing checklists. And I thought the first six times I heard it, I'm like, great, that's what Asana's for, or to-do list or wonder list or a million of these other task tools. And when I tried to show them or set up Asana for a lot of these firms, that's where the real insights started surfacing Mm. it. And that's when I found out that Asana can't really work for a client-driven firm. So accounting firms, I mean, everything is about your clients. You only have a business because you have, you know, a dozen or or three dozen or a hundred or 5,000 clients that you need to serve. That is everything to you. And you open up a tool like Asana, which I love, but you open it up. And the first thing I remember trying to convince somebody to use Asana, they go, where do I put my clients? It's you don't really put a you know a client profile in Asana, and they're like, "What? Clients are everything. That's <laughs> everything starts from the client. The only reason we make money is because we have clients." And so, the tools are not client-centric. CRM tools are sales-centric. So you know a lot of accounting firms that you know I talk with, it's not about the selling uh, early on. It's about the fulfillment of those services and delivering high-quality service to them. And there just didn't seem to be a simple set of tools to help accounting firm owners track all the recurring client work and due dates in a way that nothing was falling through the cracks. So that was the original kind of aha moment was to create a simple tool to track all the recurring client deadlines and due dates. So nothing is missed.
0: I love that you started with market research, because so many people like you say, they have this great idea to solve this problem that doesn't really exist. And or at least it's not painful enough for people to pay a lot of money for.
1: Yeah, for a tech for a technology company, the biggest I hear about it all the time. I and mean, we're right next to Carnegie Mellon. There's a lot of brilliant people that walk around the city, but I see a lot of solutions. They're a solution in search of a problem, Yeah, which is really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really hard. Like I have this thing, who wants it? That's a really hard thing to figure out. But on the flip side, right, for people listening, if you are running your own firm, you can you can be assured that people need and want your services. Like, it is, it is tried and true and proven that accounting services are important for, for businesses. So you, you have, you know, a jumpstart kind of on that process. Now there's a whole set of other challenges, workflow challenges, positioning challenges uh, and what have you. Um, but for an accounting firm, you know, people will buy it. It's just are you delivering it in a way that is delightful to the clients, gives you a meaningful amount of margins and productivity and work life balance. And are you working with people that you, you really enjoy to work with, both for your team and your clients?
0: So when you figured out that there was nothing available to CPAs and accountants and bookkeepers that easily kept track of the recurring work as well as the deadlines in a way that was smooth and got the materials back to the clients in a way that was timely and everything. And you know you had this aha moment of like, Asana is just not it and there's nothing else. That What was the next thing?
1: Well, I had to find somebody to develop the software. <laughs> that's a So idea.
0: you're not the software developer?
1: No, I cannot code.
0: Oh, okay. And
1: that's that's a really healthy thing for the business that I don't touch the code. So, and I told people very early on, and, and look, I've always been somebody that I will go out and research and interview as many people as I need to, to, to find the patterns Yeah. Uh, that we can then pull back into the tool. So, you know, we got 10 firms to come on board in this founding members program very early on in the company. And I told them, look, a solution hasn't been started. Solution has not been built. You can pre-purchase this solution. If we build it and you hate it, I'll refund you for life. Or if, we, if you just find something else in the meantime, I'll refund you as well. But the way business owners vote or firm owners vote is with their wallet. Right. If I, if, if something's really important to a firm owner and this is, you know, great, you know, if you're listening and if you want to know if something's important or not, the question is like, will you pay to have it solved? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then it's like not super important to you. It's just as simple as that. And you know, assuming flow is normal. And I I know people go through, through, through cash issues as well, but um, we got 10 to pre-purchase the software. And to me that, that represented that this was painful enough that they would put down real dollars, um, to, to purchase it, even under the premise that it hasn't been built yet. So we got those 10 and, you know, found a developer, started building it. And, uh, you know, kind of, it, you know, things just snowballed from there. Got it onto the market, got some initial feedback. And then we've just been on this journey to continue, um, you know, our exploration of trying to understand workflow pain and workflow problems uh, we're, we're now fortunate now. I mean, we have thousands of, of accounting professionals use it in 18 plus countries. And so we have tons of data points that we get to look at to see what are the challenges with workflow and how do you overcome them and uh, whether it's through training or whether it's through you know future feature development. Uh, so it's just been an exciting ride so far.
0: Yeah, it's been really cool to see what you've built. The piece that I want to really drill down into is when you have a workflow problem, where does one start? Where did you guys learn to start?
1: So typically, and nine times out of 10, you know, we, we've seen this very common mistake where where there'll be pain in the business and the firm owner, and generally speaking, business owners will say, I have a problem with this person. Now, of course, there's times where just culturally you have a problem with the person and they're not the right fit. But nine times out of 10, it's a process problem that manifests itself through a person, right? Um, you know, you're, you're saying, well, why isn't this person getting XYZ done. Um, they never they never tell me X, Y, and Z. Why didn't they tell me about this? How did they not know how to do this? It's like, well, what was their onboarding like? What's their training like? What's the expectations? What's the system? What's the process? So let's say you, 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 you feel the pain in your firm, right? You have just gone through tax season and it was your worst one yet. You worked more hours. Clients seemed to be grumpier than usual. You didn't meet the deadlines that you thought you were going to meet. You know, whatever it may be, there's something that is throbbing in your firm, and you need to figure it out. What we like to do, or we recommend doing, is, you know, and if you and if you're fortunate enough to have a team, get your team in, in into a conference room, have the whiteboard there, and just say, "Hey, everybody, let's just write down the steps of what it takes to complete an individual tax return." How we do it at our firm. That exercise alone, if you have a team of you know four or six or something like that, you might find that two people think two different things, right? So you might say, well, it's steps one through seven. Another team member say, no, it's really steps one through 10. Another person might say, wait, steps one and two, that's not what I do. I do something else. So the first thing is to get everybody in a room and just document what everybody thinks is the process. Uh, You can get everybody in a room or you can do it one-on-one. It's whatever you prefer, but just document what you think the existing reality is And that by itself can be illuminating on where people are confused. Oh, I didn't know Suzanne did that. I always thought it was Bill. And Bill's like, I never do that. Why didn't you send that to Suzanne? I don't know. I just, I go, because you did it in the past. And I thought you'd do it in the future. And and then what you'll find in this process is sometimes you have two people that say they own a part of it, which means, you know, for everyone else, do I send it to this person or that person or this, or when do I send it to them? So you just document what's out there today. All right. And you get that. And then you go through, what I like to do is, is you look at what can we remove? You know, So everybody's tendency is, oh, we need to add more steps. We need to add more things to this process. We need to make sure it's bulletproof that anybody can follow it. And we need more, 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 more attachments, more documents, more tasks. What I like to start with is what can we remove that is confusing, that is redundant, that is not clear, that's causing frustration amongst the clients or our internal team. So I love to start with Let's remove things because simple is better. The next part is what can you edit or update? Um, So maybe there is a wording that is confusing or maybe you have a step in the process where you need to reference a client document or a client profile. Well, you should have that information next to the step in the checklist. And then the final step is to add. So if you need to add a new status or part of the process, At it, right? And and, but sit down with your team and say, okay, this is the current reality. We decided to change it in this way. You know, how's everybody feel about this change? And let's let's try it out next tax season or the or during extension season. Let's run through this process. And the other thing I'd like to mention about workflow is it's not a one and done. You're gonna learn more things about the market, more things about your clients, more things about your team and how they communicate. So go back to your major services once a year at a team offsite or twice a year and pick out the major ones that are most important to your firm by, by revenue or fulfillment and say, what can we be doing to, to improve this? Um, you know, I'll say, you know, the number one workflow mistake I typically see is we build out workflows and we just totally forget the client experience. Like what's, what's the client perspective? How are they feeling about this, right? You know, we, we've seen, you know, bulletproof workflows where everybody in the team knows exactly what's going on. Everything is documented. Everything's being logged in a centralized location. It's like, well, how's the client experiencing this? Are they confused anywhere? Because I've seen so many workflows where the client's like, yeah, we had no idea what was going on. We had no idea when we were going to get something back. We had no idea what was expected of us, what was needed from us, um, what the deadline was for us. And so the client's very confused. They're unsure about the service, which could show up in clients always, you know, debating you about the bill because they don't know what you did. So that's also part of the workflow. I know that was a, that was a long answer, a couple tidbits, but I think the simple answer is get everybody in a room, document it, then remove, edit,
0: add. I love this part about simplicity, right? Because the more complicated it is, the more likely you're going to make mistakes. A
1: hundred percent, right? Yeah, you want to have to, you want to give somebody direction. Now, look, when you build out workflows, so like I'm going to use jetpack terms, but you can put this in anything. You could put it in pen and paper or whiteboard. But let's say you have a task, you can keep the task rather generic, and then you should be able to put supporting documentation. So let's say you have a senior uh, uh, accountant that's working on the project, he or she is probably not going to need a lot of context. They know the task, they know how to get it done. You have a new hire, and they're like, Ooh, I don't know, I'm still new to QuickBooks or Zero or Sage, whatever. And you want to put a little help article that if they're stuck, they can just go watch this support video on how to pull this report from Zero. Do that, but do it in a way that doesn't, you know, don't try to smash it all into one task. You can have support documents that stay out of the way. So a new person can use them if needed, but a more tenured one can just run through it.
0: Let's go over to number one workflow mistake is forgetting the customer experience. If this is the number one mistake, what's the antidote?
1: I really see this and and it's, and it's not, it's pretty uncomfortable, uh, uh, uh solution. Sit down with your best clients and ask them how you can do better. <laughs> yes. You don't have to say it like that. Oh my, you know, I know accounts are going to think, Oh my gosh, I don't want to sit down and, and admit that I don't know what I'm doing. Look, you know what you're doing? Yeah. I, you know? So what I'm saying is just take out your best clients for lunch, client appreciation, want to touch base with you. I want to get some feedback on some of the services we're offering. I'm happy to treat you to lunch. I'll pick a lunch spot, favorite lunch spot, it's on me. Sit down with them and say, "Hey, you know, clients like you, we love working with you. We love the industry we're in, we love how you approach your business, we love how you treat your team, and we just and so we want to know what else can we do around the month end close that could be beneficial for you? When we send you these documents, what are you trying to Get out of them. What are the questions you're getting? Where are you confused? What's going on? And just ask them these questions. You can do it for monthly books. You can do it for tax season. You know, we just finished tax season. Want to sit down with you and say, you know, every year you obviously have to do taxes. What can we do to make your life easier next tax season? You know, ask those questions. And it does come from a place of humility. But look, this is that conversation is going to elevate your firm to a level where you start outshining your competitors by leaps and bounds. Once you can start having those conversations, I truly believe your firm's going to elevate uh, at, at, a, at a higher pace.
0: Yeah. And if there was such a thing as, agree- as agreeing with somebody a 1000%, I would agree with you a 1000%. It's the hardest thing to do. But it is the thing, if you do nothing else, that will elevate your business the most in the next year, because inside those interviews are nuggets of gold that you don't even know are sitting there.
1: Yeah. I mean, really practically speaking, if you feel like your clients are treating you like a commodity, if you're getting price pressure, if you are having issues with team retention, you know, I, I think I mentioned this earlier in past interviews, you know, the millennials are three times more likely to switch jobs than any prior generation. So you have a highly fluid work, workforce. You have a, a deeply competitive landscape. Uh, from every every kind of competitor seems to be getting more money and getting bigger in size. And if you want to elevate beyond being a commodity, you have to think about you know research and development. And now at tech companies, that means okay, we're building products and features and da 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 da. You can do this with your accounting firm. And the way you do that is spending ten percent of your time talking with your clients on what you could do to be a bit better. And the way this has manifested itself in in some of the firms that we've worked with is the clients that they had these interviews with, you know, we had one firm we talked with, and they just made this part of their workflow to, to send out this report at the end of the engagement. The majority of their clients said, every month, I just want a cover sheet on my books, and I want it to be a stoplight, green, yellow, red. I want you to give me a score based on what you see on our numbers and what you see as industry benchmarks. I'm happy to pay more for that if I just have that one sheet because that's all I care about is red, yellow, green, and I trust you because you see our books. And if you benchmark that against our industry, wonderful, right? And and then all of a sudden, I mean, it sounds so simple, right? You have this little stoplight report you you, you put as a cover letter on top of your month end close, but who else is doing that? And all of a sudden you know, you know, so much of the content in this community is about becoming an advisor. And I think we get very academic about what an advisor looks like. But this red, yellow, green stoplight cover sheet starts moving you into advisor status because you are now putting a recommendation or stamp on their business. And you can put all the disclosures you want. I don't know your business as well as you do. You're the expert. I'm not. You can put all the disclosures slash insecurities you want about this little report you're putting together. But if you put it on the, 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 the top of the, the papers, firm, other firms don't do that. And all of a sudden, you're not a commodity. You're, you're a little bit more thoughtful about your client base. And you build that into your workflow. So every month, you do steps one through six where you add a seventh one, which is be sure to add the stoplight report on the top of it. And then you have a little uh, reference. If you don't know how to create a stoplight report here's how to do it. And it's, and it's you, the firm owner walking through how to create your first one or something like that. So I, I think that's a really, really important part of, of workflow is the client experience. And I don't think we think about it as enough. And again, spending time in that landscape and having lunches with your clients, just to explore what you could be doing to make their lives a little bit easier. To me, that's R and D. And that, that's what turns you from a commodity to being a real advisor and not competing on price.
0: Rob Ryan, who is an advisor to tech startups, likes to say the only way to find out if your dogs like the dog food is to give them the dog food. And you can't invent your dog food in a vacuum and pretend to yourself like they're going to like it.
1: Look, I'm not... When I make that recommendation, I'm not saying you email 100 of your clients and have lunch with them tomorrow. Pick the ones you really know, probably have been with you for the longest or uh, you have a deeper relationship with than others. And ones that you feel like you can... Have a conversation like this and not, you know, be too worried about uh, and know that the client has your best interests at heart. And, you know, also nine times out of 10, the client's probably excited to have this conversation, right? Because I mean, look, I know we, we we had a really long rant about this a couple of days ago, but the business owner gets their financials back and they can't read it and they feel so guilty about not being able to read it and so insecure about not being able to read their p and and they don't want to admit that, right? They don't want to say, I don't know what this means, but all I know is I have this money in the bank and I need this much money in the bank. And for you to sit down with them and just say, hey, it's okay. You're not alone here. We see this all the time across our clients. So any feedback they give you, I'm sure you've heard a million times, look, you're not alone here. There's all kinds of clients. What would make it easier for you to kind of read these reports or make it easier to get your tax information together or make it easier to make inventory decisions or whatever it is, and just partner with them in that discussion, right? It's not any more than that. I just just don't overthink it and, and have some fun with it.
0: Yeah, and if you can make a workflow for your clients for what to do before with information that they need to get you every month, and then another one for what they need to do in order to extract the data the information that's useful to them in a way that they can sort of make decisions and be better informed like what reports they look through what details they are looking for what data they pull and where to put that in a report if you can make workflows for those two processes for your clients you are going to separate yourself from the crowd in a significant way
1: yeah i would say when you learn something new from a service level or you launch a new service you know the things that that we've talked about we have this this framework we call the SAT method, standardized automate track. So let's say, let's say it is just you right now. And you're, you're doing all the returns. You're doing the monthly closes. Maybe you're doing some CFO work. A, A mistake we see early on is, you know, the owner's growing, they're doing well, they hire people, but nothing standardized. And so everybody's doing something slightly different. So look, at some point you need to just write down what you're doing. And if you're too busy to write down what you're doing, Open up a voice memo and say, hey, this is what I'm do, doing. Open up Snagit or Gene or Loom, all these screen recording softwares. Just document what you're doing. Okay, you need to standardize the steps that you're taking. So that's that's the the first thing. Could be tax planning, could be taxes, could be payroll, could be bookkeeping. Just please document it <laughs> for, for everybody listening. The next thing is about automating. And to me, automating is... Um, it could be a technology focus, or it could be using a tool to automate job recurrences or to automate scheduling. Um, to me, automating also means uh, I also put delegating into there, right? So, but you can't you can't automate or delegate something you haven't standardized. If you try to do that, if you're like, oh, a tool, or hey, I'm gonna hire somebody and that's gonna fix my problem, but you haven't standardized, then it's it's just total chaos, right? And everything's shooting every which way. So you have to standardize first. These are sequential steps then you can automate or delegate. And then once you do that, you need to make sure you have the right set of tracking uh, uh, mechanisms in place for you to know what's going on. We've seen a lot of firm owners struggle with work-life balance, even though they have a large team. And that's typically because they don't have the right tracking or visibility in their firm to see what's going on. So what happens? I mean, look, a lot of firm owners, a lot of business owners are a little bit of control freaks and they want to know this is their baby this is their biggest asset that they're probably ever going to create in their lifetime so they want it to go well and if you don't have the tracking tools to see how things are going what do you do you micromanage you get into the weeds you send people emails you give them texts. you get on the phone with them hey i just want to call to get an update you don't need to call somebody for an update that should live somewhere not in a phone right Because the only way you're going to take a real vacation is if you have tracking mechanisms in place that don't require you to email, text, call, knock on somebody's door to figure out what they're doing. So anyways, standardize, step one, automate, step two, track, step three.
0: Love it. All this is going to go in the show notes for those of you who are out gardening or washing dishes, or if I can take a page from your playbook, paragliding, skipping, and flying kites.
1: Yeah, I've never been paragliding, (laughs) but that would be uh, be a pretty intense podcast.
0: (laughs) So for our listeners who are aware that they need workflow efficiencies and they don't want to figure it all out themselves, talk to us a little bit about Jetpack Workflow and just at a high level, what it does and how it helps them.
1: Yeah, the goal of Jetpack Workflow is to, you know, give you the set of tools where you can standardize and document everything in one place, set up recurrences of all those deadlines and due dates, and give you a simple way to track what your team is working on. So, uh, there's checklists you can build out. We call them templates. You could roll them out very, very quickly to your clients. So there's there's client profiles. There's client notes. You can upload documents. You can collaborate with your team. And again, it's all under the goal of this this software solution, which kind of looks like a marriage between project management and CRM, is built for these accounting firms, bookkeeping, payroll, tax practices, everything in one place so nothing falls through the cracks.
0: I love it. And I listen to your podcasts and sometimes you have customers or clients on who talk about their results and they've had some pretty amazing results. So give us um, some of your favorites who have saved piles and piles of time.
1: Susan Wilson was a, was, is a firm owner that uses Jetpack workflow. It was her, her partner, and they had a, a third team member. And it was a month before tax season. And the team member, this third team member, decided that, you know what, I can't do another tax season. She left right? And their firm had been growing, right? They've been giving amazing client experience. So they had almost twice as much work to complete with one less team member 30 days before the big tidal wave of work came in. And so they decided to make two critical shifts in documented and documented in Jetpack workflow. First thing they decided, we're only going to start when we're ready. Meaning the client has to send us all the materials before we begin our work. So they created a little QA checklist, quality assurance checklist, that they would check off what's needed from a client before they started. And then the other thing they did is they decided to tag the clients with how they wanted to be communicated with. This client wants email and this one wants a phone call. Those two changes allowed them to complete twice as many tax returns year over year with one less team member without working more hours.
0: Holy cow.
1: It was super crazy. I did not expect that result. Okay. Results are not typical. da 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 da, da Full disclosure, not everyone experiences that. We had her on the podcast and I was blown away. That you got that. The point being start when ready, ask clients how they want to be communicated with, and then her and her partner were always on the same page because they're in the same tool, using it the same way. So as soon as Susan checked off everything, she would hand it to her partner, Rochelle. When Rochelle was finished, she would open up the client profile and say, "Oh, this, we needed to send them an email or give them a call." So I really am a fan of, uh, uh, of Susan Wilson, so that's an interview we did. Uh, we did another one with Russ Cohen, and this one was in the last month or so with Money Smarts, Inc. And we, we, we dissect a lot about his workflow. Um, but he, you know, over the course of he's been with us three or four years using the tool, he's been building out his team. He's 2x his client base, but more importantly, 3x his revenues. So he's actually cracked the code of how to accelerate his growth. It's not just a linear, every client pays me the same amount. Um, And I'll say one more, because I always love to give him a shout out because he's such a character if you follow his YouTube and things like that. So uh, Blake Schaefer, he's been with us for four years since starting Jetpack Workflow. He now services over 2,000 clients. He hasn't missed a deadline since using Jetpack Workflow. Wow. That one was super cool. I was like, hey, Blake, I'm going to use that all day, every day. That's really great. So again, look, different people have different results. I will say, you know, if you're, if you're workflow curious, go to jetpackworkflow.com. You can start a free trial. You get two weeks, all the features. If you decide to activate your account, you put payment information on file. We have a setup team that's main goal is to make sure that you get the tool set up. Right, We're not successful if the firm's not successful. So um, if this is a big blocker for you and, and you feel like this is a, a key component to elevating your firm to the next level, I mean... Try it out. It's free. And our team will help you out any which way we can.
0: Awesome. I love it. David, this has been so helpful. Thank you so much for coming on the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, David, for coming on the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. I don't know about you listeners, but that was incredibly useful. Know that these key takeaways will be listed in the show notes. In order, they are number one, document all versions of the existing process as it currently exists by all people. Number two, what can we remove? Number three, what needs editing or updating? Number four, what needs adding? And remember that designing workflows is not one and done. You can revisit and improve workflows over time. Keep it simple and always remember to include your client's experience in the process. If you want to find out more about David and Jetpack Workflow, head on over to jetpackworkflow.com. I will also include a link to his book and his podcast, both of which I recommend, in the show notes. Lastly, listeners, will you do me a favor? When you think of someone who might benefit from this episode, will you please share it with them? It's easier than you think. In most podcast apps, there's a share icon. Tap it, Find the person you want to send it to, and voila, off it goes. As my mom would say, c'est parti, mon kiki. And to bring us full circle with this episode, I mentioned at the top about more time with kiddos. Well, there is someone here who wants to close us out. Take it away, Hazel. I love you podcast listeners. Have a great week. I hope you don't eat too much dessert.